the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
sent me an email on my computer a Text on my telephone Anyway, she can get in touch with me to tell me She wasn't coming home, no Look at her my window I'm looking down on the streets below
for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour. Uh, works as a TV writer on shows like Riverdale and Betty. She's also the author of the novel Ship It. And now, in August of 2021, she has a new book called Like Other Girls. And we're going to talk now um, with uh, Britta Lundin, who joins me by phone. Hi, Britta. Welcome to the show. Hi. It's good to be here. Um, Britta, in this, in this book... Um, it's it's about a girl who decides to play football. I, I and and yeah. there's a, a context there. She gets kicked off the basketball team. But what is it that makes it seem that by playing football she might not be like the other girls? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, Mara is a teenage girl who lives in the small ranching community, and um, she is gay, and she has a very sort of masculine presentation to her. She's six foot two. She grew up on a ranch with an older brother, um, and she, you know, the way that she presents herself is really not like the other girls at her high school. You know, she's looking around, and she doesn't see a lot of other girls like her. Um so when she decides to play football, at first she's really she's really good at it, and and um, you know her natural like height and and strength and ability help her be great on the football field. She loves to tackle. She's got she's a very physical person. Um, but what happens is uh, she's a little too inspiring, and um, <laughs> the a few days later, four more girls joined the football team. Uh, and suddenly Mara is not one of the guys anymore. Now she's one of the girls. And for Mara, who ha- has always just kind of hung out with guys, it's a tough thing for her to deal with. And she's looking at these other girls, and some of them, um, you know, are are a little bit more girly or, you know, wear pink, or one of them wears uh, a full face of makeup to practice, and she's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not like those girls. But over the course of the book, you know, her her journey is to sort of get under this idea of what does it mean to be like other girls and not like other girls. What what kind of um, you know sexism is hidden in that idea of I'm not like other girls, and that's what she has to confront. And Britta, there's there's really two things running side by side here, and and I want to give you a chance to uh, comment on on both. One is. There's this idea of of breaking traditionally male turf by women, um, which Mm -hmm. is happening all across our country in in 
her society. Um, but then there's this sort of butch aspect to this character. Um, is Football has been historically a, a male sport. Um, is, is there something about the fact that this, this character is somewhat masculine that makes her want to play football and makes her good at football? Is, is, is there something, is there a there there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean by that or what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, and I think I'll give you two answers to that. And the first is that um, I think Mara in the beginning would say, yeah, she wants to play football because she's, she's kind of like a guyish girl. Um, you know, what we would traditionally call a tomboy. But, um, but then the other four girls join, and they're not like that. And they also like football. Um, and they also are interested, you know, it's just a sport like any other sport. They're interested in playing it, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to. And so I think that is sort of what Mara is confronting over the course of the book. It's like, what what does it mean? Um, what, what does it mean to be a girl who plays football? What, what, how, does that, how do you present yourself? And, you know, Mara's mistake is in thinking that because she's a little bit more masculine or a little bit tougher or a little grittier, that that somehow makes her better than some of these other girls um, who are not that way. And um, as she gets to know these girls and, and, and you know, ultimately she, she falls in love with one of them, uh, she, she kind of has to get underneath that and and kind of get over herself you know um, <laughs> like that, like that, all kids is, like all kids in a coming of age story right yeah exactly <laughs> the other thing i'd say is that um you know girls playing football in in america is on the rise when, when i was a kid there were very few girls on the football team and i don't have the numbers in front of me but it's just exploded in recent years and now it's there it's you know just to write a book about, oh, there's a girl on the football team. Well, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Um, so this is a book that kind of takes a different kind of look on it. At it, Okay, so there's five girls on the football team, and they don't all like each other. Now what do you do? <laughs> More with TV writer and novelist Britta Lundin straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. 
they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. And hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with TV writer and novelist Britta Lundin, straight ahead. Was Mara already questioning, I mean, not questioning, but but already um, keenly aware of the fact that she might not be like other girls and then all of a sudden she finds herself with the other girls on this football team thinking how is it that we like the same thing Mm -hmm. yeah i think you know the the title of the book comes from this phrase that sometimes people often men use to describe women who they like which is like oh Oh, I like you. You're not like other girls, <laughs> which is like, uh, you know, a cool way to try to praise 
one woman while insulting the entire rest of her gender. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's not the compliment that some people think it is. You know, it's actually a, quite a misogynistic statement. And so I think that, you know, there's that. And then there's also the fact that when Mara looks around her very small high school in her small town, it's true that she, in, in some ways, she kind of isn't like other girls. And in other ways, you know, she is. And so it's sort of getting into this idea of, you know, there's more than one way to be a girl and to present yourself. And what Mara finds is it doesn't matter, you know, how tomboyish she is or how good at football she is. Ultimately, the other boys look at her and these girls and they're up all together and say, oh, you're just one of the girls. In fact, you're the leader of these girls. You're the reason they all joined. You're the reason that our football team suddenly has to deal with this girl problem. And no matter what she does, she still is seen as one of them. Um, and it's really frustrating for her at first, but ultimately she wants to embrace it as these girls are the ones who are accepting her. And it's, it's, it's a lot of the boys on the team who have a problem with her. Is writing a novel very different from the TV writing you do, or is it all storytelling? Mm. It's... Um, you know, stories are stories, but the process couldn't be more different. I I love them both, but writing a TV show, you have a writer's room, and so you go you go to a room every day with ten other writers or or so. Um, and right now we're doing it all on Zoom, but you know we'll get back to being in a room together. So it's very collaborative, and uh, you know you can sit there, and if you don't have an idea maybe one of your nine other co-workers has an idea and, and can, in that way it's, it's a much faster process it's also very social I'm a pretty social person so I tend to really love and thrive in the writer's room whereas writing a novel can be very uh, it's, it's isolating it's very it's a solo act you know yeah it is you very solitary you send it to your editor yeah and and the, the other thing is, when you film a television show, you're bringing in 100, 200 crew members who are bringing this to life. You've got actors who are breathing life into the characters. You've got set designers who are creating the worlds and costume designers and lighting designers, and they all bring this world to life. And when you're writing a book, you have to be all of those roles yourself, and you have to do it all with words. And it's kind of daunting um, but it's a fun challenge, you know, to, to be like, oh, you know, I have to describe the world, the, the room they're, they're sitting in, and I have to describe the clothes they're wearing if I want people to know what it is. But you know, in TV writing, that's somebody else's job. When you approach writing a novel, um, do you develop the, the characters first and then work out what might happen to them, or do you write the story first and then cast it? Mm. It was like other girls, I knew I wanted to write about um, gender and sports. Because I've played sports for a long time, and I think about gender all the time. <laughs> and I started uh, with this idea of Mara, who um, is a girl who has some anger problem, who is very physical and very tall. Um, someone who would naturally be a great football player. And I thought, what would be the worst thing that could happen to Mara? And it would be that if people just could not 
would not take her seriously because she's a girl. And um, so that's where I started. I started with the character of Mara on the football team. And then I started casting the other girls around her. There's four more girls who joined the team, so I wanted four very different personalities for those girls. You know, there's Carly, who is very outspoken. She is um, political. She is short, very short, the opposite of Mara. Um, and she wears, you know, girl clothes. She's in ballet flats and V-neck girl club t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, there's a variety of other girls who join the team. There's Kaylee, who is Mormon and dresses modestly, conservatively. There's uh, Valentina, who uh, sleepboards and wears a lot of plaid. And there's um, River, who is a theater girl, who wears a lot of black and, and, and lipstick to football practice. You know, so these are all very different kinds of girls, and I wanted to make sure they all popped in their own way. Did you... Did you model these characters after people you knew or had met? Um, in some ways, yes. I think... Um, I mean, there's always a little bit of a composite going on, but, you know, are there inspirations uh, from your life um, in these characters? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> Maybe not I'm not Britta, I'm not asking you to name names, but <laughs> Well, there's you know, Sarah and Rachel and Helen. No. I I, I think that that in, in, the truth is that, that they're all me to some degree. There's times where um I have felt uh boxed in by the expectations that my gender puts on me that people see that i'm a woman and they expect certain things from me and you know on my good days it makes me fiery and um verbal and wanting to take down the patriarchy like carly and on bad days it makes me want to punch something like mara you know <laughs> so, i think that i have a little bit of all of these characters now I've I've only seen um a, a photo of you um that appears on the book uh dust cover. Mm-hmm. Um are you tall? I am. I'm not as tall as Mara who I made her six foot two. I myself am six feet tall. Um how did that play into your life growing up in Oregon playing ba- um you played basketball, um Mm-hmm. softball and and spent a couple of years playing uh, flag football um what yeah were you always athletic was that just natural to you yeah i um i loved sports and i especially loved team sports i loved the feeling of being on a team and you know all being in it together it's kind of what a writer's room is today actually um i i still play basketball on a record team and I think that my height gave me a natural ability, especially in basketball, but really in all sports. Especially when you're young, I was I was taller than most of the other girls, and I was taller than most of the other boys as well until we all sort of reached a certain age and some of them surpassed me. But it meant that I, I, I didn't naturally fit in um, because I had a height differential, and also I was a tomboy, and I didn't dress like the other girls. And so... I, I think that sports gave me an outlet of something I could do, a way that I could um, 
um, achieve something that had that where where my physicality was a benefit and not something that set me apart. It's hard in a world where that tells girls to be um, to take up less space and um, to be polite and to be uh, that they should be delicate. You know, if you are tall and broad and you know <laughs> for tackling. Uh, it, you know, it's it's hard to maneuver that world. I think Mara struggles with that a lot. It's like I'm she's a, she's never going to be a delicate girl. She's just not built that way. When you were um, playing basketball, was it uh, what was it co-ed basketball or or were you on a women's basketball team? I was on a women's basketball team. Yeah. Um. With. And and what about the football team? Well, the football team, I yeah, I I played flag football when I was young, and that was all boys. I was the only girl on the football team. We did play one other team where there was a girl on that team, and we sort of nodded to each other across the field like fellow comrade in battle. <laughs> um, there came a time after two years of flag football. Um, in the town that I lived in, you were expected to graduate to tackle football. I think I think that would have been around sixth or seventh grade, and I, I was interested in playing tackle football. But I sort of looked around, and it was clear that you know the other boys on the team didn't particularly want me there. They weren't outright cruel or anything. They just weren't welcoming to me and didn't particularly want me on the team. And I looked around to my girls, my friends were girls, and they didn't really like that I played football, and they weren't they didn't come to my games or ask me about it. It was clear that they weren't particularly interested in football, and just sort of realized that the only person who wanted me to do this was me. Um, and I think that it's very that's a very isolating experience, and I think that's maybe something that a lot of queer teenagers can relate to is. Um, at, at some, the, you're constantly negotiating the world, and you have to make decisions um, because the things that are most authentic to you are not always the things that make everyone around you comfortable. And so you're 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 constantly having to choose: Am I going to do the thing that I want to do, or am I going to do the thing that everyone else is expecting me to do, or will make everyone else feel a little bit more at ease? And you see this in the book. Sometimes Mara chooses the thing that would make everyone feel more at ease, and sometimes she does the thing that would feel authentic to her. There's a scene in the book where she wants to cut her hair short, so she goes to the barber shop and she brings in a picture of a, a male actor. And the barber is like, "Are you sure you want this haircut?" And she's like, "Yes." And he's like, "There's no going back from this." And she's like, "I want it." And she walks out of that barber shop feeling like a million bucks, even though she knows she's about to head home where her mom is going to be upset that she cut her hair and she's got to go to school where people are going to stare at her. But she does it anyway because it feels right for her. I think that kind of thing takes a lot of courage. And I kind of wanted to honor the, you know, small town gay experience of doing the thing that takes courage, even though everyone else is going to think you're a weirdo for it. 
there's because of your interest in sports i'm curious this is a little uh a little off topic but but maybe related because of your interest in sports and and your personal sexual preference what do you think when you see some of the controversy about transgenders and team sports mm. yeah you know transgender people in sports is is a big topic right now it's um I, um, I mean, my position is trans people should play on the team where they feel most comfortable, um, and so trans girls should play girls' sports. I, I think that this is a book about um, a girl who uh, is not trans, um, uh, who just wants to play football. And I think Mara would say, <laughs> Mara's experience is she wishes everyone would make less of a big deal about gender in general. Man, we care a lot about gender in this country. We, we care a lot. We make everything about gender. And it doesn't need to be that way. Um, there's a lot of ways we could break down people into groups. Well, and, um, well yeah, questioning gender, um, at least, uh, you know, in, in mainstay politics and conversation and, and town halls, questioning gender is fairly new. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are still getting used to the idea, don't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it might be new for a lot of um, people, but I don't think it's new uh, historically. It, you know, in the, in the history of the human experience, I don't think it's new. Um I think yeah, but think it wasn't out there, Britta, is what I'm I'm trying to say. So for a lot of people, it was yeah. really easy to pretend it didn't exist, and and now it's not anymore, and that's fairly new. Yeah, well, I think when you look at when you look at what sports can do, and I and I can speak from my own experience here. When I played sports in high school, some of the things I learned were leadership. Um, I learned. Um, how to be a team member, um, how to cooperate. I've learned it's sort of a grit and mental toughness. Um, I, I stayed healthy because I was running around on the basketball court. Um, I made lifelong friends. And, you know, these are not things that should only be for cisgender people. Well, <laughs> yeah, they're... they're if um... there had been a trans girl on my girls' basketball team, well, I might have a trans girl friend to this day because of that. You know, like she might ha- she might have a little bit more, um, you know, leadership skills from having been able to play on our sports team. You know, I don't think we should cut girls off from that. Um, with the um, oh, I know what I was going to ask you, Britta. Did you have siblings growing up? I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, how many so boys? How many girls? Uh, well, um, I'm the youngest of five. I my I grew, but I, but many of them are older than me. I grew up with my brother. Really, um, I have an older brother, kind of like Mara has in the book. And I, it was interesting to me to write about um, a sibling relationship. It, I didn't write any siblings into my first book. Ship it. Um, because there just wasn't space for it. 
Um, but I was interested in doing that here because I think a sibling relationship it can be very special. You know, you can argue, you can be very different, and ultimately you can still love each other. And it was something I wanted to try my hand at portraying. I, I was just wondering, the reason that I brought it up was I, I had this thought flash through my head that that perhaps you had... Uh, you grew up with a bunch of brothers and and roughhoused and felt like one of the guys. Um, I, I I don't I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's just me interjecting, um, trying to interject some rationale for preferences and choices you make with your life. But but it occurred to me, and so I was yeah. curious. I you know I did have an older brother, and um, there were a lot of Nerf gun fights. Um, and uh, playing catch in the backyard. Um, it's interesting. You know, my brother was not a sporty guy. He he didn't play sports. I think he played t-ball a little bit and hated it, and then my parents never made him play again. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was more of a, you know, books and video games kind of guy, and I was more of the running around outside, um, you know, getting dirty and, and playing sports kind of person. I think... I think that, you know, who knows in what, why gender presentation preferences come up the way they do. Um, maybe it's innate or maybe it's a result of, um, you know, kind of the world around us. Uh, I think, you know, for Mara, I think she, she would say, I just want to be me, you know. As opposed to being one of the guys. As opposed to... As opposed to being forced to be a certain way by what, whoever, you know, whoever's looking at her. Whether it's her mom who wishes she would wear dresses to church, um, whether it's her brother who wishes she, he, she would lay off the football team because that's his thing, um, whether it's the other girls on the team who, you know, wish that she would, you know, be their little leader of their the little political movement. She she just wants to be do what she wants to do. Well, it's a, a fas- fascinating uh, idea for the book. Um, now that you've got a couple of um, novels, in fact, <laughs> I I read something in a in a press release about your book, Britta, that they called it a sophomore novel. Um, <laughs> meaning that it was your second, <laughs> not, yeah. um, nothing about the quality of the book, which is getting a lot of praise. Um, but, um, this is your second novel. And, and I guess the, the question is, do you have the bug? Are you, you know, what's, what's next? Do you, do you just continue to write for TV or do you think you'll, there will be more, uh, Britta Lundin novels? I would love to continue to do both. I mean, I, I, I love writing television, but I, I never want to stop writing books if I can help it. Um, right now, I am working on a TV show as a writer called The Big Leap, which is going to start airing on Fox in the fall. Um, it's a set in Detroit, um, and oh, it's cool. about a group of regular Americans who join a reality dance competition. Oh, cool. Well, I look forward yeah. to I look forward to watching that, Britta, because uh, yeah, you know my show is based right down the road from Detroit. Yeah. Um. So, is there is there a new novel in the works, and and how do you find time? Because 
My impression of writing for television is that it's fairly grueling and and time consuming. Yeah. Um, how do you find time to squeeze in a novel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be challenging. I I have a writing system that works for me, wherein I wake up uh, early for me, which is around five thirty in the morning, and write um, for an hour and a half or two hours before I need to start getting ready for work. And then I go to my day job, which is writing for TV, and I write some more. And then I get to spend the evenings uh, with my wife and, and kids. So is, that, has, that system has been working for me for a little while, and I hope I don't have to give it up anytime soon. Britta, I'm really enjoying talking with you. In fact, so much so I've gone a minute or two over our time, and I apologize for that. Um, but I do want to give you, as I do all guests, um, after thanking you for spending this time with me, an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's BrittaLundin.com, and I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, BrittaLundin, L-U-N-D-I-N. Well, Britta, thanks so much, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Take care. That was uh, TV writer Britta Lundine, and uh, the new book is called Like Other Girls. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, 
and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I played football for Temple University, and it's the truth, see? Don't keep asking me, did you really play? Yes, I really played. At one time, I had a beautiful body. I weighed, uh, I weighed 192 pounds, and they made me a fullback. Now, before you start tuning up, let me get my story finished. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is that uh, it didn't take much to play for t- Temple at the time that I was playing because we had lost 27 games in a row. 
And uh, we played against real weak teams. I mean, teams like uh, Muhlenberg, Lafayette, um, what's it, Gettysburg, yeah. Get they all beat us. They all killed us. Especially Hofstra. Hofstra beat us 900 to nothing. <laughs> in their street clothes, man. They wiped us out. You know? Vassar wouldn't even play us. That's how bad we were, man. Get out of here. We don't even want you on our schedule. So I'm going to give you some insight as to what goes on in a loser's locker room. We're going to play against Hofstra, which is a really terrible school. They killed us every year, boy. And when you play for a team like Temple, you got nothing to do except pace up and down in the locker room. And you say to yourself, boy, I sure do hope I don't get hurt. <laughs> I almost made a tackle last week. I must have been crazy out there or something. Nobody else is trying out there. I don't know why I got to be the one all the time. I play on the second team, which is actually the nut squad. Now, these are guys that can play, but they're afraid. They don't want to go out there, so they do nutty things. Like they put the helmet on sideways, looking out through the ear hole. <laughs> guys get on scuba diving suits, snowshoe and an ice skate, you know, walking around. <laughs> second team is very quiet, because they're going to go out, scared to death. That's what they are. Catholics on the squad always seem to have something special going, because they're over in the corner. Domino's father, please, Domino's but I figure if it works for him, yeah, me too, Father. He's a friend of mine. He told me how to do this. Here, please accept me. You know, we're pacing up and down. First team's getting last rights. And we're one. The coach is drawing trick plays on the blackboard because he has no personnel whatsoever, and he knows he's got to work with something that'll trick him. You know. All right, you guys, listen up. Uh, when they come out of the huddle, line up backwards. <laughs> and just let them run right over you and then we'll raise the flag and everything while you're singing the national anthem, all right? We'll get pity somewhere, I'll tell you that. Then comes the athletic director. He says, I'd like to talk to the boys. What? I'd like to talk to the boys. Okay. May I have your attention, please, fellas? This is uh, the athletic director, Mr. Ernie Cassell. It's the man that's responsible for giving most of you the scholarships. He'd like to talk to you, Mr. Cassell. Thank you very much, Coach Macris. Well, boys, here we are again. We're going out to have another fine football game. Gonna go out and play against Hofstra, because you already know that. You know, they beat us last year 900 to nothing. The year before that, they beat us 900 to nothing. I was over in their locker room, I had a chance to look at some of their players, and Christ, they're bigger than they were last year. <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. Fellas, I looked out in the stands, we only have 12 people out there. And this is homecoming. Just want to say a few words to you. This is our first game on television. We want to keep this television contract going because this is the only way we can make some money to buy a little scuba diving suits and uh, snowshoes and ice skates for all the weird old squads here. So we're going to say to you, please, remember that you're on TV. By that I mean, don't worry about winning the game as much as we want you to be concerned with the fact that while you're out there on the field, we're going to ask you, please, do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on a football field. Because if you're out there digging and scratching, the people at home are going to turn you right off and we're going to lose the contract. So please do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on the field. 
Now we're going to pass out these affidavits and ask you to sign them, saying that you will not touch certain areas of your body while you're out there on a football field, all right? So we signed them and we went out, you know, and I'm with the second team. First team's got the ninth time for last right. Hofstra came out of the locker room. I had never seen guys so big before in my life. They had just brought 11 guys with them. Smallest guy on the squad was 6'1", 490 pounds. It was a halfback. Ran 109-1, had long teeth hanging out of his mouth. Every one of them just had one eye in the center of the forehead. The coach was beating them out onto the field with a ball and chain, hitting them smack in the back of the head. Get out of here! Go on, Igor. What's good, Igor? First team said, oh, God, don't look at him. If you don't look at him, you won't get scared. Second team went crazy. Guys are ripping their clothes off. I can't play naked. I swear I heard one temple guy on the ground say, can we get up now? No, you move, I'll punch you right in the mouth. So help me, get out of here. We carry him off, man, coach, all right, get out there, second team, let's go. <laughs> we got a quarterback that's 2-1. <laughs> all right, run the kamikaze play on one, all right, kamikaze. Cosby up the middle, the whole team off the field. Break! We break out of the huddle, the quarterback goes up to ship. One, two, ping, gives me the ball. I take one step and I look and there's a hole. And I had never seen a hole <laughs> playing for Temple. And I said, God, a hole. <laughs> I turned to the people in the stand, look at this, a hole, you see this? Did you get hurry up, run? I said, wait a minute, it may be a mirage. <laughs> you can't tell. I said, well, I better get moving, I'll never forget it. There was a big hole with a defensive man on the ground I planted one foot, stepped over him. When I did, he stood up and hit me. <laughs> and the pain was tremendous. And I threw down the ball, and I said, oh. I've been hit in the... You'd better not touch. And here is everybody while you're on the football here. So I grabbed my head. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Just 
gloves and stay away from church. I avoid old folks and should I sneeze, I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart. can go back to school I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu Roku, Netflix PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors and I'm sick of what I see of quarantine will be the death of me the death of me I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy TP and a few things more but when I get there all I can find Honey buns and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, cause I'm sick of what I see. So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know, they say this is war. But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 